heard the call to build your small business? Make it happen with a .NET domain name, the place for dreamers for 30 years and counting. Visit keepdreamingup.net for tips and advice. Whether you're just getting started or looking to grow, that's keepdreamingup.net. Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a May 31st Wednesday morning edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson, a writer at the Associated Press, Real GM, many places these days, former Blazer beat writer at the Vancouver Columbian. Welcome back to Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And in fact, you can have the opportunity to join the Locked On Podcast Network. The Locked On Podcast Network is hiring a national sales manager, be a part of the fastest growing sports podcast network, selling the NBA channel, NFL channel, and the entire network to national advertisers. If you have the skills, the perseverance, and the game to be a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, email lockedonpodcasts at gmail.com with your resume. That is lockedonpodcasts at gmail.com. Welcome back to the show. We're back after the Memorial Day weekend. I hope that it was good for you. I hope that you were able to have it off and relax, maybe spend time with family, uh, all that stuff. Uh, My girlfriend and I, we made a trip to Ashland over the weekend. Really enjoyed that. Really enjoyed uh, that, you know, drier Southern Oregon climate uh real nice real quiet uh real sunny really enjoyed it it's back to rain now here in the portland area but that's you know what we what we're used to here except it has been an unusually cruel winter so that must be said this is not exactly normal um we haven't done a pod since last week when we did the big man season review we did the starting centers for the blazers today we're going to do the bench wings uh so that's going to be alan crab and evan turner and then our last kind of like real deep dive into positional breakdowns we will have a big man breakdown as well in our next podcast our next podcast is probably gonna be a real big one we got draft expert mike weisenberg coming on the podcast and from nbadraft.net and then we will also have the big man season review uh, of, of the guys that you know weren't normally the starting centers. I know Noah Vonley started a couple. I know Myers started a couple, but I was I they were you know bench guys. And then of course Ed Davis. But on this episode, we're going to do Alan Crab and Evan Turner. But uh, before we get to that, there is uh, some news to round up. Uh, the first of which. Uh, that I'll lead with is not related to the Blazers of present day, but uh, a moment in Blazers past. Brandon Roy, who coached 
Nathan Hale High School in Seattle to a state championship this past year will become the head coach at Garfield High School, his alma mater, and will will take over the program. So uh, congratulations to Brandon Roy, roller coaster of uh, of uh, quite the roller coaster this last month has been uh, for B Roy. Uh, there was the, the report that he got, you know, he won the state championship. Then there was the report that he got shot down in Los Angeles. He's okay. That's what, you know, all the reports and, uh, indications are that Brandon is okay, uh, which is great news. And now he's become the head coach at Garfield high school. So, um, kind of a whirlwind of, of time here for Brandon Roy, but, uh, things look to be, uh, on the up and up. He's going to, Garfield High School, and then I guess maybe next stop uh, is to become the head coach of UW. And it's just, I, I feel like this is the logical next step. I know that UW just hired a coach, and they, I think that the reason the Garfield job came open was because I think the Garfield coach joined that uh, coach's staff. But, uh, you know, uh, Brandon Roy is going to be coaching. Uh, it be interesting to see you know, how, how much he, how high he wants to go in the coaching ranks. You know, he's, he's coaching in high school right now. Uh, just coach Michael Porter Jr., who uh, number one player in the country, and who's going to Missouri now. Uh, really interested to see, you know, how far can will he go? Can he go um, as a coach? Uh, because obviously his playing career was cut short uh, by injuries and all that. But uh, it, it is evident that he uh, has a real love for the game, wants to coach, and um, uh, is moving up uh, and, and coaching back home at his alma mater at Garfield High School. So uh, congrats to B-Roy. Uh, some other news that I guess could qualify as Blazers past. Uh, Kerry Eggers of the Portland Tribune did a real nice profile on Mike Barrett, the former play-by-play man for the Portland Trail Blazers, who was replaced by Kevin Calabro. Uh, real, I think you should definitely read that in the Portland Tribune, uh, shows, you know, how he's dealt with it, uh, you know, how he's, how he's, you know, made peace with the, you know, the dismissal and, and all that stuff, uh, and, and, and what he's doing with his life now. So kind of a cool update on Mike Barrett, you know, he's really involved in his church in Wilsonville and, uh, is, is working in a lot of, you know, doing a lot of voiceover work and stuff like that, doing a lot of stuff in town, has a lot of opportunities coming his way. So, uh, great to hear, uh, good things about Mike Barrett. Uh, Barrett was always great to me when I was on the beat. So, uh, definitely, you know, hope that, it, you know, things work out and it seems like they are, it seems like he's taking his time and, uh, he's taking it with stride, but definitely go check out that Carrie Eggers piece on Mike Barrett in the Portland Tribune, really uh, recommend the read. And if, if you were a Blazer fan for any matter of time before this season, uh, you'll know Mike Barrett and probably had a connection with him and Mike Rice. So, uh, but, you know, he, he goes in there. He's really, uh, you know, really classy throughout, you know, real supportive of Chris McGowan, uh, you know, and, and how everything was handled and, and all that stuff. So, uh Really good read, uh, and and I recommend uh, checking it out uh, over at the Portland Tribune. Some more news. This is uh, 
these are these things are more relevant. We'll start with the least relevant thing, in my opinion. First, Damian Lillard was ranked on the ESPN World Fame 100 list, making the list for the second straight year. No surprise there, because Dame is a super accessible athlete via social media. Very, you know, and and also not just social media. He's in a bunch of commercials. Has a lot of endorsements, has his own shoe, has the music career going, the music community that he's kind of built. So that Lillard made the list, not not all that surprising in my opinion uh, that he made the top 100. He dropped uh, considerably this year. Well, considerably, he was 44th last season and dropped to 61, which it doesn't really matter on a made-up list, but he's still on the list couple stats about Dame maybe you didn't know 33 3.3 million Instagram followers 2.7 Facebook and 1.2 Twitter follows uh ESPN cited his musical prowess as a reason he made the list and the fact that his music is actually good which is a rarity for athletes and I I would say that probably the they didn't say this in in the write-up but I would just guess that the reason he dropped to 61 after being 44 last year was that uh, uh, this season, as opposed to last year, uh, the Blazers failed to meet expectations. I think their Vegas over under, if I recall, was 48 and a half or 47 and a half. It was in the high forties. I do know that. And I thought they were going to have the over. And then also, you know, Lillard before the season's talking to J.A. Adande about going to the Western conference finals and all that stuff. So and, and, and everything, I think, was framed from a place of a disappointment rather than last year where I think everything that happened was framed as it was a surprise, it was fun, and it was, uh, it that you know, that it was, you know, totally unexpected. Look at this upstart team. You know, you have the, the Aldridge leaving fresh in the minds of people thinking that the Blazers were going to be really bad. They ended up being a pretty decent team, a pretty good team, and making the playoffs. So uh, I would guess that maybe a reason why he dropped is totally uh, out of his control. And then that was the expectation. Well, you know, totally out of his control. I mean, he was saying Western Conference Finals. So, I mean, so anyway, uh, but he's still on the list because he's, he's a pretty big personality, pretty great in social media. Uh, always connecting with people, always doing cool stuff. So, uh, yeah, Dame on the sixty, Dame on the World Fame list. But the, I think the most important thing, and maybe a little interesting now, now that we get into the stuff that I really like to talk about. Yesterday, Mark Stein of ESPN.com uh, reported that Detroit is open to dealing the number twelve pick for a more vet uh, type of player, a player that can help them make the playoffs it appears because they didn't make the playoffs this year and it looks like they're gonna have to you know they're gonna have to pay Contavious Caldwell Pope quite a bit of money uh there's talk about him getting a max deal and he's a free agent this year uh they have Tobias Harris who they traded for uh who they got a real good deal on for to be honest i mean they they got him just by getting rid of Arson Ilyasova and Brandon Jennings but they're on the wings you know they have Stanley Johnson who uh has a lot of talent and is is but is still not there as a you know really an offensive player 
has the chops to be a really good defensive player, but he's just not there. You know, you have Reggie Jackson, who uh, is a pretty, is a good point guard, but is he worth the max that they're paying him? I prob, I don't know. Pro- I mean, he, he has his moments. Uh, and then you have Andre Drummond, who's kind of stepped back. And so, you know, you have a lot of young pieces there. So, and they drafted Harry Ellenson or Henry Ellenson last year from Marquette. So, you know, it looks like their team's really young. So I I kind of understand it from that perspective. But at the same time, you know, this is one of the perils of having your GM and your coach as the same person because – if, if you're going to get, you know, there is a lot of draft people, and we'll talk about this with Weisenberg uh, on the next podcast, but it seems like there's a kind of a consensus that there's like, you know, there's several points where there's talent drop-offs, like there's Fultz at one, and then there's a little bit of a drop-off down to that next tier, and then there's like, you know, seven or eight guys, you know, maybe Lonzo Ball is in his own tier with those guys, but it seems like, to me, it's, it's Fultz, then like Fox, Ball, uh, Josh Jackson, Dennis Smith, a lot of these guys all in that range. And then once you get to 12, it's, it's kind of in, you know, Zach Collins, some different, uh, levels of talent. It seems like that's the consensus right now. So maybe that's why Detroit is open to dealing the pick and open to, to getting rid of number 12. Uh, I don't know if, Evan Turner would interest the Pistons. Uh, that is that is something that uh, my friend Corbin uh, posited on Twitter yesterday. Like, hey, you know, you guys down for Evan Turner? Maybe. Hey, you know, honestly, you know, maybe maybe Turner is a guy they could look at for their second units. I'm I'm not sure. Uh, I would try to sell it, uh, but I mean that would be now. That would be pretty uh, an ideal scenario if Portland could do it. Like, oh hey, we'll give you fifteen and Evan Turner, or fifteen and or like twenty and Evan Turner for twelve, or fifteen and Evan. You know, I don't know. Uh, and then you move up three spots in the draft and you get rid of Evan Turner, which uh, I thought he was really good in the playoffs. We'll get to this uh, for the Blazers, but it just seems like just you know they have so many guys that they have to try and find minutes for. And, and I'm, you know, they have three draft picks where they can get guys maybe that can uh, play make and stuff like that uh, and, and fill a role eventually that maybe Turner uh, kind of occupies right now. But I don't know, maybe Crab, I'm not sure. But uh, Mark Stein reporting that Detroit is open to dealing the number 12 pick for a more ready player. So we'll see. Uh, We'll see if Portland maybe tries to engage there. But obviously Detroit's out there on the market. And I think uh, the position that Portland's in, they should be willing to, you know, make offers. And and that's what Neil Olshay does. I mean, Neil Olshay has already thought about these deals like eight times before we even talk about it. And I think that, you know, they're going to look at all options in this draft. And this option that's been reported, number 12 pick being ready to be moved, uh, could be an intriguing option maybe for Portland to potentially move up in the draft and maybe shed some salary to give the Pistons a more NBA-ready player because they're going to have to sign KCP. They have Reggie Jackson. They have Drummond, who also you know is going to be a free agent soon. 
not in in not this year, but uh, in a couple of years. So it it makes sense to me from the Pistons' perspective why they would want to do that. And before we get to the bench wings season in review, just wanted to remind you that. Maybe if you're in the Bay Area, you're looking for a ticket for the finals. Or maybe if you're up here in the Northwest looking to get to an outdoor concert, a Timbers game, a Thorns game, a Mariners game. I think the best place for you to look for tickets for those events is SeatGeek. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to. And none of those older ticket sites want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell their tickets. I've used it. I used it when my buddies came to town over the holidays, over Christmas to go to that Blazers-Raps game, pulled up the app on my phone, found it super easy. Same app that I use to get tickets to the future concert next week up near the Seattle area out in Auburn. So very excited about that. And it's super convenient. And their revolutionary deal score grades the deals from 1 to 100 comparing all the prices and making sure that you get the best deal possible and you save time and money in the process. They give you the most bang for your buck. They find underpriced seats and alert you to find the best deals that fit your budget. But the best thing about SeatGeek is that my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. And to get that $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code and enter promo code LOBLAZERS and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOBLAZERS today. Shout out to SeatGeek, our longest running sponsor on the Locked On Blazers podcast. And now to the bench season in review, the bench wings uh, will be the first part. I guess this bench season review will be a two-part bench season in review because, well, Terry Stotts did play a lot of guys this year, uh, more than he normally does, uh, and and that's something he's not not really used to and doesn't really, in my experience, doesn't really like. Uh, you know, Terry likes playing nine guys. You know, he and eight a lot of times, and and during the playoffs. He did, and and down the stretch of the season as well, did really shorten the rotations uh, when things were on the line. But, you know, with so many guys making so much money, got to be – it is just hard to navigate that as a head coach because they all are getting paid. They all expect to play. And then you also have to, you know, manage the situation where your younger players who are not getting paid as much but – are probably more valuable to your team because you could potentially, you know, squeeze, you know, starter level production at a really low cost. And, uh, that, that was a tough thing to navigate, but obviously the, 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 the young player situation is not really one that we're dealing with in today's episode. So we're going to start our bench season wing review with Alan Crabb. Crab signed a four-year deal worth seventy, worth at least seventy-five million dollars with the Nets last summer, with bonuses that I think I believe take it up to eighty-three million if he reaches all those bonuses. 
The Blazers matched the contract that the Nets offered him. So looking at his per 36 minute numbers, it's hard not to it's hard to argue that he improved his game uh, and in a lot of ways, you know, his production dipped. Uh, per 36 minute numbers, he averaged 13.5 points this season, 3.6 rebounds and 1.5 assists and 1.1 1. 1 turnover per game or per 36 minutes, excuse me. Last year, his per 36-minute numbers were 14.2, 3.7, and 1.7. So rebounds and assists, I mean, pretty much everything pretty much stayed in the same ballpark, though his scoring output dipped a little bit, uh, as did his usage. Uh, but a couple of things to take away from Crab. Uh, these are just statistically, then we'll talk into some observational stuff that we that, that I saw from him. Crab shot 44% from three, career 41% shooter from long range, and he, uh, you know, he he is a really reliable three-point shooter. That is something that you can say about Alan Crab today, tomorrow, probably a couple for for a long time after that too. I, you know, he, he is it has has a track record now of four years in the league and two years getting major minutes as a really reliable three-point shooter. And he was a really good shooter in college. So, you know, this is kind of just him, you know, reaching the point of of being, a, you know, a really elite three-point shooter. And, and he's one of the best in the league. He did, however, see some dips uh in his production from other areas of the court. Now, there are some things to note when you dive deeper into those numbers and some context that's important, but let's go with let's go to the mid-range where Crab was one of the best, if not like the best mid-range shooter in the league last year. He shot 51% last year on long, two years ago or the first year he really played, 2015-16. He shot 51% on long twos or from te- on twos from 10 to 16 10 to 16 feet and his long twos were 44%. So his long two game was because if you watch crab and this is something I've joked about with my friends you know he's true two dribbles and and I think they called him basic cable I think Mason Plumley called him basic cable because he really doesn't have that many moves it's the three a dribble shot he got to the rim a little bit more this year. The numbers bear that out. That's not just something that we watched or that I saw. And but anyway, you know th- that's his go-to. And I think teams may be scouted a little bit better on that, knowing that he wanted to. If he wasn't going to get the three, that he wanted to get that one dribble pull up, maybe you know where he's pulling up from sixteen feet to shoot a, a jumper or or and and I think teams just maybe didn't let him get that and or uh, a spatial concern is maybe Turner was just in his space a little bit more than uh, he was last year you know I feel like uh, I thought in in theory that 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 pairing could work well and and Crab to his credit had pretty decent numbers but in those little areas that made him a much better player made him the type of player that 
could get a $75 million offer. I, I think some of that was a little bit limited, I think, by some of the spaces that Turner occupies, that mid post, that that elbow jumper, uh, all that stuff. I think uh, a lot of those things probably didn't help Crab's production this year, in addition to the fact that Crab has a tendency to disappear at times. Uh, as I mentioned, he increases output at the rim. He took two percent, he you know, he took fifteen percent of his shots at the rim this year compared to only 13% the previous year but his you know he had major decreases as i mentioned from 10 to 16 feet and from 16 plus uh you know really you know ha- had some some significant decreases in his volume there and had a major jump in three point rate. He took 47% of his shots from 3 this past season as opposed to 42% without Evan Turner. So and 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 uh like I said his usage went down that that went down about uh, a percent and a half and uh he had a lower assist percentage uh in 2016-17. So, you know, he had some good things, you know, the three-point shooting I think really probably salvaged what would have been a really bad season. Uh and I and I guess the the fact that he got to the rim more even though he didn't finish uh, as efficiently as he did the previous season, maybe that's a good sign for the future of Crab's game that he can get there a little bit more and then maybe mix in, you know, maybe if that becomes more of a part of his game, then teams have to guard against that. Then the one dribble pull-up can come back out. And and this is, this is how improvement happens in the NBA. You know, they're going to find out little things. You need to find out little counters. And, and, and Crab, I think, uh, especially when Nurkic came, uh, you know, really went up another level in his shooting, his shot making, his offensive production. Uh, there was that game in Oklahoma City where CJ McCollum talked to Terry Stotts about wanting to get AC going. And AC is a big reason why the Blazers had success down the stretch of the season because he was starting to become, you know, automatic and and really finish the season strong. So, uh is that good enough? Is that what they paid for? No, that's just uh, no. That's not what they paid for. But that's but you know, I can see in a scenario in my head if he was on the Nets, him getting a little bit of the, more of those mid range pin down looks uh, that we saw from him last year, uh, uh, getting just a little bit more diversity in his game based on the fact that you know maybe he's not playing with a guy that needs to have the ball in his hands and needs to occupy a lot of those mid-range spaces and i think if he can be in a system where you know they're setting him up almost like kind of like a rip hamilton situation where they're setting him up off screens they're having him run around not just three pointers because he can shoot the three but that you know we know that that's valuable but we know that we also know that getting to that next level is being able to score in the mid-range. And last year, his efficiency in the mid-range was excellent. So if if he could be in a situation where he can get back to that, whether it's on the Blazers' second unit or on another team, I think we could see a, a maybe more of a steady growth. And also with Crab, let's be real, I just think that he also he needs to be engaged. He needs to be part of things. And I feel like a lot of this past year, he was not really that big a part of, or maybe didn't feel as big a part of what was going on. Just watching him on the court, it, 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 it 
it felt like he was a bigger part of everything last year. Uh, the defense, uh, I didn't like it for, for most of the season. Uh, he had some great games. He had some great moments. He, he can defend when he's really engaged. Uh, the Toronto game uh, here, when he guarded DeRozan the entire game, and DeRozan had six points, uh, is one of those examples for me. And when he plays hard, he really has that length to get out there. I think he has like a 6'11 wingspan, something crazy uh, like that. And and one other thing too, uh, back to like the Turner-Crab dynamic, this season – Crab played 68% of his minutes at shooting guard after playing 62% of the time at small forward last year per basketball reference. So according to their position estimates, so I, I take that to mean that the minutes that maybe he was sharing with, with Gerald Henderson or, uh, you know, or Tim Frazier even last year that he was playing three or also just playing together with Damon CJ at the three he didn't do that anywhere near as much this season in terms of just, you know, the, the position that he played nominally. Uh, granted, he did get some time with them, but it just wasn't maybe it wasn't the same amount of time that he got last season. So uh, another interesting wrinkle on his overall season was that he played more at shooting guard, which you would think would probably be better because he's not that big, but uh and who knows whether it was actually related to his performance, but it, it just seems like a, an interesting thing because, uh, you know, that didn't happen last year. And this year, you know, he's playing with Turner, who's definitely a three, CJ, uh, who's definitely a one out there in that second unit. Uh, it, just an interesting wrinkle that I found at the end that he played way more time at shooting guard this season than he did last year. Uh, and I wonder if, if, if that means anything. But that is the season in review for Alan Crabb. Uh, well, actually, no. One last note. He underwent foot, sur- foot surgery this summer. Uh, he had a real bad playoff. Shot 23% from three. 37% overall. Uh, did not finish the season well in the postseason. And you have to wonder, because he was dealing with the foot injury the last week of the season, you have to wonder whether that was affecting him in the playoffs. I would, I would guess yes. Because even though, you know, Crabb, uh, you know, Crab, just like any other NBA player, you know, not going to make an excuse when you're out there, when you're playing, unless you're inactive or whatever, or not playing, you know, you're not allowed to use it as an excuse. And I guess that's the road that he took. So moving on to Evan Turner, Evan Turner signed a four year, $70 million contract with the Blazers on the first day of free agency or the first full day, excuse me, the Blazers tried to go after Hassan Whiteside. He went back to Miami because there was more money. And it's Miami. Chandler Parsons was also uh, was was Portland's other big target. Maybe they dodged a bullet on that one because his knees do not sound like they are healthy or good. And he ended up signing with Memphis because he wanted to play with Mike Conley, wanted to play with Dave Fisdale after seeing Take That for Data and they not going to rook us. I, how, how, how can I say no to, to playing for Dave Fisdale? I can't. So the Blazers ultimately settled on Turner. And they settled on Turner after he had the greatest season of his career uh, in terms of efficiency in Boston the year before. 2015 in Boston, he shot almost 46% from the field, 24% from three, whatever. His effective field goal percentage was at 46.9, so basically 47. And he shot 48% on two-pointers in Boston. 
but uh, you know, got fouled more in Boston. Uh, a whole lot of things. Just he did better in Boston, and a couple of things about his Portland season. He nearly doubled his three-point output per 36 minutes. Assists and rebounds per 36 both decreased slightly despite, you know, a really small dip in usage. So his usage went from 18.8% to 18.5. So basically nothing. His usage basically stayed the same. And he, so he basically, so, so those that maybe are talking about, well, he, maybe he didn't, you, they didn't put him in the right role, the role that he was in in Boston. Well, usage rate bears out that he basically had the same role, uh, at least in terms of his use of possessions, which means possessions that he ends with a turnover, a shot or foul. And his rebounds dipped. As I mentioned, his minutes dipped slightly from 28 minutes per game with the Celtics to 25.5 this season. With Portland, it really started really poorly. He shot just a terrible uh, percentage from the field in his first couple of months of the season. And even that was even the most uh, cynical of the, uh, you know, the, the most the people who thought that Evan Turner would fit poorly for the, even for that crowd, which I am was a part of a little bit. Even that was was that was just bad for him. It wasn't even just like like because there's the the thinking about Evan Turner that well if it's good for him it's bad for the team but that's not really how it was. It was just he was bad for the start of the season. Things started to improve. He started to have some moments. He started to get into his mid range game. There were a couple of games where he played really well. Uh, the game that they had in the regular season against the Warriors when the Warriors didn't have uh, Steph Curry. And they had and they had Durant. They they lost that game, but uh, Turner played well in that. had a, had a kind of a moment. He got the last second shot, missed it, but it, it, he had moments. And I think culturally, he fits really well with this team. He he's a guy who uh, is self deprecating, can make jokes, unselfish, all those types of things, you know, has, you know, comes from a, a real tough background, uh, which a lot of the guys do, and, and he goes about it the right way, so I think culturally, he really does fit with this team, but just from a basketball perspective, it's really hard to find out where he fits, and I think this season, the, the thing with him and Crab, he and CJ, I think also, just skill-wise, have a little bit of an overlap that really doesn't present itself until you get into certain situations. Like, you do need that playmaker. I think you do need that ball handler. And Turner, in my eyes, did a better job with that as the season went along. And I thought in the playoffs, did an even better job than he did in the regular season. So they need him, but it's, you know, you can't put him on ice until the playoffs. You can't just use him until the playoffs come. You got to figure out a way to be successful with him during the regular season. I think that was one of the toughest things for the Blazers this season, which is why Turner played in so many situations. He started the season coming off the bench, then got moved into the starting lineup when it looked like things were uh, real desperate for Portland. Things start to turn around a little bit. They start playing a little bit better once he's in the starting lineup. It looks like things are working out. They got Aminu on the bench. Vonley's starting. Vonley's starting to do a little bit better. But then... He breaks his hand in a game in Dallas, and 
they trade for Yusuf Nurkic. Nurkic blows up, and the starters that the starting lineup that they have, the success that they have in with with Nurkic, kind of makes it so they can't go back to Turner as the starter, and they brought him back off the bench, and then you know he started for them in the playoffs. Obviously, they they didn't have Nurkic, uh, and they they continued to to start him because you know he gave them a playmaker. They were right to do that because they do need that extra playmaker against that aggressive trapping defense. The guys that they have that can kind of take away CJ and Dame, even though CJ and Dame still had great games. I think Turner did really provide a, a big skill there. Uh, his playoff career, his playoff numbers were actually a lot better than his playoff career averages up to this point. His playoff effective field goal percentage was about 44% compared to about 40 in his career. Also played more minutes per game, grabbed more rebounds, had more assists, shot 33% from three, which is really good for him since he normally is is a sub-30 three-point shooter. And he also took 4.4 attempts per game in those four playoff games. So he missed those 17 games with a hand injury. His three-point output increased significantly in Portland, but ultimately... Uh, and, and things did improve for him. He did get better. I don't think his 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 plus minus is going to look is bad, but I don't think that it was you know that indicative of of what he did. But at the same time, you can't dismiss it because they played poorly with him out there. And despite the fact that they did kind of do a little bit better in the playoffs with him on the floor with CJ and Dame, I think him playing with CJ and Dame worked a little bit better than him playing with Crab and CJ or him playing with a bunch of other second unit guys. So maybe they found a way for him to be effective, but at the same time, you know, with that contract, same as, you know, I, I would not be, you know, I, I think they probably w- would like to move him at some point. I, I would imagine just because his contract is quite large and, and and they got a lot of young guys a lot of guys that play wing positions they may not be as talented with the ball in their hands but a lot of guys that play wing positions that are going to need minutes and potentially three draft picks but I think Turner did improve and and that is something I th- I think to take away uh even if it was if it was a down season for him but Uh, That's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Blazers, the Bench Wings Review. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, Google Play, TuneIn FM, wherever you can get a podcast. We are there. And leave us a five-star review if you'd be so kind. Until next time, enjoy the NBA Finals. I think we will be back one more time before then. So until next time, we're going to be back very, very soon. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.